welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about, oh, Fast Five. <laughs> the fast five ways to build your deposit as a first home buyer. Now, Andrew, what is amazing is we recently did a first home buyer's webinar. And the biggest takeaway, the thing that most people came up to me on the street and asked about was the Fast Five. I and love how you like alliteration in anything. You have to have alliteration in all your titles. Or rhyming. Are you going to name your kids with alliteration? Well, I've actually just Molly been- McKnight? <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good, actually. I could do with a Molly. So at this first time webinar, we talked about the Fast Five. These are the five deposit sources so you can get your deposit together to purchase that first home. And we've actually written it as a big part of the book as well, Wealth Plan, which is coming out kind of mid-year. But just briefly, I want to give you an update on how much deposit you actually need as a first-home buyer. You'll remember that the Reserve Bank brought out new LVR restrictions late last year, which limited the number of low deposit, that's under 20% deposit loans, that banks could give out. Instead of it being 20% of their owner-occupier mortgage book, it was down to 10%. Now, what's interesting is that even up until December, up to 45% of first home buyers were using a deposit less than 20%. So two out of five were using that low deposit loan. January, there was a massive fall, but still just over 20%. So one in five first home buyers are still using what's called a low deposit loan, using less than 20% loan. So while it's not as common as it was six months ago, hey, they're still pretty popular. So Andrew, let's go through the fast five, the five ways to build your deposit. So the first is KiwiSaver. For KiwiSaver, obviously most people have this nowadays because you kind of, if you get your first job, you, you sign up for it. Or if you've been in your job for a while when KiwiSaver came in, you probably signed up for it. And it's the best way to get a pay rise because your employer has to put in a minimum of 3%. And if they're more generous than Opus, they probably give you more than that. But I think most employers pay the 3%. You put in your 3%, they put in the 3%, you get 520 something dollars from the government every year. 512. And, 12 dollars. No, your math. <laughs> I thought you meant to be the Prince of Property. How do you not know that? I'm not the Prince of KiwiSaver, am I? Because it doesn't have alliteration in it. I thought you were the King of KiwiSaver. (laughs) So what you can withdraw, if you've been in there for three years or more. That's important. Most people forget that. You've got to be in there for three years. And I think where it's really important is sometimes I've worked with couples where one might have been in the workforce for longer. And so they've been in there for five years, but the other's only been in there for two years. And they've accounted that money in their deposit and then found, oh, well, collectively we've been in there for more than three years, but one person isn't. So you can't take that money out. And that's contributing to KiwiSaver, right? You have to have been contributing, yes. Now, that doesn't have to be three years continuously. No, you can break it up. I think the word you're looking for. What did I say? Continuously. Oh, you're being mean I'm to me today. Back to you. I'm very getting sensitive. Back yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it hasn't had a lot of sleep last night. It's a bit grumpy if anyone can tell that. So, anyway, you can take everything but. $1,000. So if you've got 26500 you can take out 25500 and you can use this towards your first purchase. Now, one of the other conditions that's really important, you can't have owned a property before most of the time. So if you've owned a property and you use your own cash savings for that, and now you're going to buy a new first home, you never use your KiwiSaver, you're going to use it this time, tough luck. Because your name's been on the title of a property, you can't withdraw that money. But there is a thing called the 
second chance application. So you can actually make an application to KiwiSaver if you're in the position of a first home buyer because you've had a, a life instance, like a divorce or something like that, where you have a deposit equivalent to a first home buyer. They do sometimes sign those off. Now, number two of the Fast Five is government support. And there is so much government support out there. Not all of it might be applicable to you right now, but let's see what you could do. Obviously, the first is the first home grant. This is where you get up to $10,000 per person. That's if you're buying a new build for that purchase of your first home. And the great thing about the first home grant is it's free money. Free money. You don't have to pay it back. Now, there are conditions around this. And the big one at the moment is the price caps. So if you're purchasing a new build in Auckland, 600k. If you're purchasing an existing property in Auckland, 625k. They are pretty tight and that's going to mean that for a lot of first home buyers, they aren't necessarily going to apply. But if you're not able to come under that, the first home partner is a great opportunity and we've spoken about this relatively recently on the show. That's where they will buy the house with you a share buy a share of the house with you and then you buy them out of that share later and we've got some great podcasts you can listen to about that but you know what these aren't technically deposit sources but there are two things I want to talk about that are just as good the first is Kiwi build itself so this is where you can sometimes if you win the ballot and obviously there's a luck of the draw there but if you win the ballot for a Kiwi build property it's like winning the lottery because the properties that are being sold are sold for prices that are often well below valuation. So definitely check out KiwiBuild as well, as well as the first home loan. Now that's a way where you can access, and again there are conditions about this, and you can quickly Google them or listen to our previous podcast, all that wonderful webinar, and if producer David reminds me, I'll drop a link for that in the show notes. But the first home loan can be a really good way of accessing those lower deposits. Reason is that they are not subject to the LVR restrictions. So if you can get a government-backed first home loan, then hey, the bank is way more likely to offer you lending if you've got a lower deposit. What's number three, Andrew? Uh, This is the bank of mum and dad. There's a few ways that you can make this work. So if you're lucky enough to have parents who are just rich and can give you some money or lend you some money and they've got the cash to do that, that's one way of bank of mum and dad. But probably the more common way that we see the bank of mum and dad work is if mum and dad have got less cash to give you, but they've got heaps of equity because the housing market's been kind to them. All those baby boomers that have got all this equity in their house and want to help out their nice kids, what they can do is they can apply to have a loan against some of that usable equity. So it'll be with the bank. So let's say Ed's mum decided, hey, I'm going to help Ed out buying a house. Well, she goes into her bank and Ed applies with the loan for her. So the bank's going to collect all the money. It's going to be really nice and tidy. Ed has to pay back the bank rather than pay back mum, but it's against mum's security. Now, this is a great way to balance out deposits if you've got a couple where there might be a difference in the amount of money they're bringing to the table. So to make it nice and fair, they might say, let's say Ed and Kelly are buying a house and Kelly's diligently saved $100,000 because she's diligent and Ed, on the other hand, with all his snazzy suits, has only got $45,000, so has a shortfall of $55,000. Well, he goes to Ali and says, Mum, I've been a degenerate. Would you help guarantee or support a loan for the difference of the 55? And then, of course, her bank would give Ed the money. He'd have to pay it back. Number four is the sale of assets. Now, this is one that 
I always feel a bit nervous about before I talk about because I think people are going to say, Ed, are you really suggesting that people sell their cars so they can afford a house? And the answer is in some situations if that's what's needed. So what can often happen, especially if you're buying a new build, you know, you might have a couple who are purchasing together and both have cars. But what if that new build that you're purchasing only has one car park, for instance? Well, instead of parking the other one on the street, it may be worth selling that and then using it for part of the deposit. And I'll tell you why. It's because if you get, say, 10 grand from the sale of your car, and I'm guessing what that what mine might be worth today. Yeah, I've probably- been in your car and with the amount it's had more hits than the BJs. <laughs> okay, maybe it's worth six. So let's say you sold that 10 grand car though. You got 10K for it. Well, if you're using a 20% deposit, you know, that could get you an extra 50K worth of purchasing power. And I think that's always the thing I like to think about. Well, if you sell your 10K car, you can potentially, as long as you've got the income side of your mortgage application, potentially purchase up to an extra 50K of house. Well, actually, that sounds like an okay trade-off when you think of it in that way. The other thing that I always think about as well is it's much harder to get a mortgage than a car loan. So let's say that I did this, I sold my 10K car and I used it towards the deposit for a house and you know that bought me an extra 50k worth of house well how hard would it be for me to then go get a car loan if I needed to in order to be able to purchase another one well do you know what it's going to be easier to get a car loan than it is to be able to get a mortgage for a house yep and so sometimes that can be a way to get what you need Now, that doesn't mean that everybody should go off and sell their cars. Hey, if you don't need it, then you don't need to use this particular strategy, but it could work for some people. Andrew, what's number five of the fast five? Look, probably the most boring one, but the main one that was around when I built my first property, savings, where you actually take some money out of your weekly spending and you put it aside. And yes, it does take a while to hit a massive number, but you know, if you're saving $300 a week, because maybe rather than the bank of mum and dad, you're just living with mum and dad and saving the rent, well, you're going to have $15,000 at the end of the year, which is a great contribution. You know, what I'd suggest you do for any first-home buyers out there, and I know there are quite a few first-home buyers who listen to the show, I think the first thing is to note down, I mean, just grab a bit of paper, you know, love, what's in your KiwiSaver? Minus $1,000. You've been in there for three years? Yeah, did, you know, listen along. (laughs) Play and pause the podcast as you go along, but tally up the different ways that you might be able to get it. Now, I think the key thing to note is that you're not going to use all of these fast five. You're not going to use your KiwiSaver and get government support and tap into the bank of mum and dad and use the sale of assets and save. You might. You might, but not everybody's going to do that. I wouldn't think the average person is going to use all five. No, but but you work out what you can get from each and then find out how far away you are from your goal. And if you can do it without any savings, great. Well, I definitely agree with that. But my key point is that you don't have to do all of these five things, but you do have to do something to get into your first home. So you can't say, hey, I can't use KiwiSaver and I can't get government support and I can't use the bank of mum and dad and you can't use the sale of assets and I've got no savings. I mean, if that's the case, then you can't buy a house. But if your goal is to purchase a property, you've got to do some of these things. And the combination of some of them is what's going to allow you to purchase that first home. And I think what's the amazing thing is that that number two, I really can't understate how important some of that government support really is. I mean, if you can get a Kiwi build as your first home, as I said, it really is like you have second division lotto because the amount of equity that you gain from doing that is often 
relatively substantial, of course, depending on what you're purchasing as well. So for you first home buyers, this is the Fast Five. And if you are not a first home buyer, then perhaps there is a first home buyer in your life that you might like to share this with. Now, one other thing that I want to let you know about, I really want you to come to our next webinar because, oh, I'm actually really looking forward to it. We're going to talk about how to avoid the eight things that often go wrong when people invest in property. So yeah, we are going to talk about hey, these things sometimes go wrong, but we're going to give you our game plan, our playbook for how you're going to be able to avoid those eight common mistakes. It is going to be a lot of fun and I can't wait to see you there. So tap or swipe over the cover art. I'll drop a link in there or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. That's our website. You'll be able to sign up and that's going to be on Tuesday, the 5th of April, 7pm. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Eric Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicole. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. It really helps us get this message out to more people. I forgot to say that. <laughs>